cassette, side A, Discoveries. I have Peter, the drummer from the Tremendals in the studio. Hello. Peter, you work in a charity shop? Yes, yes. And Cancer Research. Cancer Research UK, is it? Yeah. You've come across some interesting cassettes through, the, through your work? Yes. There was a time when I was still thinking I'd be recording on tape, and yeah. when a couple of cassettes turned up, I thought oh, I'd, I could you know, get them cheap and something to record onto, but you take them home and... And to be honest, I, I, was, I thought I would still be recording using tape, but I don't. And I got home and I played them. There's some interesting stuff on them. And it, the thing about cassettes, I suppose, you expect them to be from the early 80s, but the early users would have been professionals such as journalists. Oh, right. So yeah. I've got cassettes here from the 70s. This is a particular favourite. This is a BASF Green C90. The only clue I've got as to what's on it is... Written in pencil, it says Paul Foot, twenty nine three seventy six, and I've listened to it and it. I think it is Paul Foot from what I know. Paul Foot, he used to write. I think he wrote in Socialist Worker, and I mean you'd, you'd find his work in the Guardian or anywhere. He, but he was one of the, he was a major left wing political journalist. Okay, so what we what what I have in my hands right now this um, that is garish the only, probably tape. the only one in in the world. Yeah, and on that is it's a recording. I think he must have... I got this from West Hampstead, and he must have lived in the Hampstead area. And it's about property developers trying to take over the flats where he lived. Oh, right. And he's been interviewed, and it's about how the community came together. And they, he wanted it to be, be municipalised, but it, they voted against it, it became a cooperative. And it's him talking about the structure and meaning of that and how that works within the greater world. And the guy I think who's interviewing him, I think he might have been a journalist, or he might not have been, but he's he was, from the context of the cassette, I got the impression he's doing a little community paper, and so he's interviewing Paul Foot. And it is very interesting, because, you know, it's talking a lot about how big corporations are trying to take over and philosophy of housing, and Paul Foot being a socialist, to obviously say, well, housing is a need, and the idea that you destroy or people's homes for money is not right. I, I, yeah. I picked a spot that I thought was quite interesting. If OK, you want. let's have a listen to this. We smashed the property speculators to smithereens, really. I mean, we did do it, and people who say <clears throat> that you can't do it and that these people are, are there forever and that there's no way in which these people won't win in the end, I think they were proved completely wrong. I think we, we broke them to pieces. We not only beat them in their endeavour to empty the houses, which was quite clearly <coughs> marked out, but we also smashed them financially. Mm. You know, they were, they yes. were utterly humiliated and bankrupted to a very large attempt by our efforts and that's uh, which I think you thoroughly enjoyed yes I did enjoy it yes I enjoyed it and I think everybody else enjoyed it too because there's nothing that makes people more angry and quite rightly so than other people wanting to make money out of people's housing conditions I think that's one of the most nauseating things that can happen no but I meant that you also enjoy the fight quite apart from the enjoyment of the victory well I, I I don't really enjoy it. It was a lot of time involved. I didn't spend much time. The whole brunt of the thing was borne by Monica. I used to chair the meetings effectively and from time to time chair the committee meetings and from time to time give advice to Monica in certain situations when she was liable to fly off the handle or 
take a rather sharp and immediate judgment on something, then I would advise her, usually, I, surprisingly perhaps, I used to advise her not to take uh, what I regarded as the too rash course. I think she'd mm -hmm. probably back that up. I was glad that we defeated them. I didn't particularly enjoy the fact that we had to fight them. I didn't really. No. I mean, I, no, I, I really quite liked... I've always liked living here. I wanted to go on living here. Mm -hmm. Although, I mean, it was quite interesting to discover how these people really do operate instead of just writing about it day by day, which I was inclined to do, to find that it was occurring on your doorstep. It was quite an interesting experience. I, I'm sure that I particularly enjoyed the fight now. I mean, the thing that excited me about it, which is the thing that excites me all the time, really, except that it's very rare that, that you see it happening in quite such close, close circumstances to your own circumstances, but... The thing that excited me was to see, really, a group of people quite arbitrarily selected and covering a fairly wide range of background and occupation and so on. But a group, by and large, of quite ordinary people. They're not very, not nobody very rich, nobody particularly poor, for that matter, but quite ordinary working people coming together arbitrarily and able, by their cooperative efforts, to hold off the wolf from the door, as it were, and yes. to keep the fellow who was out to plunge the whole community into chaos for his own miserable short-term games. Yes. Nevertheless, I mean, in, in sort of January 75, when these for-sale notices went up mm. all around the block, mm. it did look as if, although we had managed to defeat one set of landlords after another, we could well be on the brink of, of something much worse against which we would have very little recourse. Yes. I and it was at that point that this I co-op idea came up. Yes, I mean, I always take the view. I mean, I know I'm probably in a minority of one in the flats now, but I always took the view that the answer was municipalization, that that was the best answer that was available for us. Mm -hmm. or some form of municipalisation. I was absolutely in favour of experimenting under council ownership with, with new types of tenants' control, if you like. That was the solution which appealed to me and which, to be fair, appealed to the committee and to the people in charge, largely because there didn't seem to be any alternative. Those were the things we went for first. We went for the municipalisation and then, of course, to everybody's horror, the government turned down the council were very willing to go ahead with municipalisation. The government turned it down, largely because mm. of their you know, the complete uh, reversal of their entire housing policy, brought about by the economic situation and so on. But they completely reversed their housing policy and reversed their plans to uh, municipalise great areas of private yes. property. And so they, we were, yes, I mean, when it came to that, and the thing, we were in the most hopeless state of affairs, because whereas we were controlled and nobody could evict us, and for sale notices might go up, but there was no danger of any eviction, and I think the Tenants Association was such a strong and united body that there wouldn't have been any ever any danger of eviction, what did appear is that there were two alternatives opening out in front of us. On the one hand, the uh, whole unity and cohesion of the area would drip away by people gradually leaving and the houses being filled either with enormous quantities of squatters or just left empty, mm. or 
in blocks just rehoused and turned into executive suites and so on. Any one of those alternatives I think was pretty dreadful. Or, I mean, this is the other alternative, that the buildings would just fall down. I mean, yes. that was a very serious proposition. It wasn't the for, for sale notices so much, because one would have expected, once municipalisation had been turned down, that we would have simply passed from one private owner to another, yes. as each one tried to find some way of wreaking some money out of it. Yes. And one, at one time, in a property boom, it would have been an asset to have had these properties. At another time, it would have been the opposite of an asset, and people would have sought all different forms of eviction and squeezing out and winkling and, you know, it would have been a long battle to, the, to our graves, really. That was what faced us. Mm. And the for sale notices were kind of declaratory of that. I yes. mean, they, they seemed to symbolise that. And it mm. was a very depressing thing. Well, then, I mean, it really was no more than a stroke of the greatest good fortune, in my view, that we fell, the whole thing fell at a, at a time when the government had a little bit of money left. I mean, they still had some belief in doing something, which I don't believe they have any now at all. I think they just drift now completely. I don't think they do anything. How do you feel about owning this tape? Because it's obviously recording a, a piece of history. I, I, I'm really pleased with this one. This is obviously a totally unique thing because somebody probably printed an interview from this, you know, cut it right down. And you just hear... You know, the relationship, how they make the interview and the things they discuss around the subject. It's, it's, yes, it's a unique yeah. item. And this is also the problem with tapes coming in is I'm doing a job. I can't sit there and listen to all these tapes just in the chance that something that might be labelled as something else has got something interesting in it. And every mixtape, in effect, is a unique item anyway. And they're all going but it doesn't really matter on one level but it's when there are th individual things like that you that you find it's this serendipitous excitement can you use that phrase yeah um why maybe. not, why not? <laughs> yeah it's like wow this you play it and you go i can't believe this this is great and i've actually sat it's about how long is it it's a c90 so it's the interview is probably about Nearly an hour long. Yeah. And I, I've sat and listened to it on a couple of occasions and enjoyed it very much. Yeah. Even commercial tapes get thrown away now for, from lots of shops, so blank tapes, old, or not necessarily blank, but to, you know, home recording tapes. Yeah. We tend to throw them away. Okay, so if someone, if someone were to go to Cancer Research UK, essentially, with... It depends on the individual shop. I mean, the Camden yeah. shop still sells, I think, quite, does quite well with... Uh, commercial commercial tapes so it depends you know you have to judge shop by the area and what yeah. comes in but it's pretty much guaranteed that if you've found a sort of home recorded cassette tape something that was blank originally mm -hmm. it, it, if you were to bring that into a charity shop they won't be putting it on the racks for sale probably not no before i was coming here I, a couple of days ago i actually thought well if i'm coming in for an interview i'll go and see what's in the local charity shop on caledonian road and they didn't have any home recording cassettes there at all it's all just the commercial well the thing in london is particularly in london is that the rent for shops is so high that they have to make as much money as possible and things like cassettes even commercial ones yeah they're not going to put them on the generally not put them out so home recorded cassettes when when you say that charity shops throw them away do they throw them in the bin pretty much do you, do you have any other tapes that you found that were particularly interesting I don't know if this would be classed as interesting, but it's unusual. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's the one. I, I'll just quickly describe. This one is a much more sombre colour. There's a TDK SA90, and it's sort of grey-black, I guess, charcoal. The, the, the TDKs are a standard yeah. of my youth. you got you got the black ones before them, which I think were the Ds. OK. I can't remember. The SA is actually quite... A, is a higher quality one. Oh, okay, and that's um, what it means. I'm, I'm, I don't know what the C and the SA mean. I mean, the 90 is the minutes, isn't it? Yeah, but the SA is it's to do with the emulsion on the tape, the quality oh, of it. Okay. You get metal ones as well. You see on the top of the tape? Yeah, yeah. See these holes here? Okay. That's so the tape machine can recognise that it is... That you're allowed to that, record? That, no, that, that is an SA. Oh, I see. That is the recording protection next to it. Oh, I see, yeah. That one hasn't got the extra holes, yeah. so the tape knows that's just a D. yeah. Oh right, yeah. Because I, I remember the the holes at the top of these. Because if you bought, if you had a commercial cassette tape that you wanted to record over because you'd accidentally bought the Spice Girls or something, then yes, exactly. <laughs> what I'm looking at right now is some sellotape that's been put over the 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 holes so that you can record. I think they're um, called lugs. Lugs. Yeah, okay. you, you could you pop them out, don't you? Yeah, they yeah. You fly, pop them out when you want want to copy protect them, eye. basically. Yeah, yeah. Great, so let, let's... Do you want to introduce what's on this one? Now, I think... Or should we just play uh, it and see? If it's the one I think, it's very noisy, and it must be somebody had a portable tape recorder sat on the seat in a car when they're singing, and I assume they're driving because it sounds like a lot of rattling and noise. Brilliant. And there's there's an interesting segue early on, early, early on where he obviously pressed stop when he was recording, and what was underneath it comes bursting through, which is... You don't get it in digital. You always get sharp edits in digital. But mm-hmm. when you record over on cassette, it there's a certain about something about the quality of how the sound uh, mixes with the previous recording on there, which has been done commercially by I think the Fall. Marky Smith mastered one of his albums onto cassette, pressed record in his kitchen, and he left it on there. It's just you hear a song and suddenly you hear the acoustic of somebody's kitchen something saying mumbling something and yeah. then it goes back into the song brilliant okay so let's have a listen to this tape is this the right tape no okay <laughs> do you have the right one uh, i'm getting to wonder now <laughs> you got it yeah okay now oh this again has, has got the the residue of tape being so it has been recorded over and somebody is oh yeah it's a nice detail you can see the marking of where the sellotape had been and been taken off again so it's sort of tacky around the um, copy protect bit okay so let's um, let's have a listen yeah this to... is the one we're meant to be listening to I mean this one's not it's nice <laughs> it's but, uh, let's switch, yeah. you're listening to cassette on www.resonancefm.com for more information go to http colon slash slash cassetteradio.wordpress.com cassetteradio.wordpress.com this is the end of side a side b this is somebody i think my guess is somebody driving a car yeah recording themselves singing brilliant Do you know 
any other people who collect old cassettes, sort of home-recorded cassettes? Well, I, I wouldn't even say that I collect You're not necessarily them. a collector, you just um, found a couple. I... Yeah. Yeah, I, there's certain albums I've picked up com- by commercial, commercial ones because you think, oh, I wouldn't want to spend a lot of money on that and I'll listen to it. Because you get lots of cassettes in with, I don't know, Br- Bruce Springsteen or Joan Drone written on it, which yeah. is, you know, whatever sold most is what you're going to find most on cassettes. And I had, I just wasn't inspired to take those anyway for some reason. Yeah, fair I enough. Just, uh, it's just because if it's not marked, there's always a chance that there could be something strange on it or thing about cassette is you can re-record and re-record and re-record yeah so even if it is labeled duran duran it, it might have it might actually have uh, it might have some someone unwisely noting their crimes down on cassette but i've never heard that yeah but. have you heard of the website tape findings no it's brilliant i'd recommend anyone who's interested in discoveries on cassette to go to this website it's a lady who's picked up tapes in junk stores and charity shops and she records them to mp3 and then puts them online i think it's a lady i'm not sure who runs right. the, the website but it, it's lovely it's a really simple website i'm gonna play you something from this site right dear bob barbara and the children this is wednesday the 10th and uh, before you become alarmed don't think i'm going to fill up this tape with a message That would be a rather long one, even though it's run at high speed and on one side only, although I do have it set at stereo. Uh, First place, let me thank you for the tape. I know you said I could hold it until you got here, but I thought, well, I'd send you a message and at least let you know that I appreciated both things. The, The thing that you made for the side of my flash and now I want you to make one for the other side, but I won't let you do it unless, me, unless you let me pay you for it, because uh, after all, this is what you do uh, to make money, and there's no reason why you should do it for me for nothing. I appreciate the music. I used one piece out of it. Uh, I'm going to record on here one that I used of my own. It's a Spanish piece. And uh, then the party that I was doing this for, after I'd recorded a number of pieces for this uh, slide presentation. He brought over a ragtime record, and uh, it was a little bit different than we had in mind, but it was good for what he wanted. It was, you know, well, you've heard this pianist play on uh, uh, Lawrence Welk's program, you know, the girl that plays the piano with the front of it off, uh, little stocky girl. Well, this is, uh, I've forgotten his name, you would know it, I'm sure, Tommy, I think it was Tommy somebody, who was a ragtime artist, and this is the type of thing that he wanted. And we picked out a couple, most of them weren't any good, but we did pick out a couple that we thought were quite appropriate and put that on there. So uh, with what you had, what I had, what he had, we certainly had more than enough. I Okay, that was a letter from Harold from www.sweetthunder.org. That's sweetthunder.org. When when you mentioned that this was home recording, I, I brought this anyway. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of this. Yeah. Shemp meditation tape, and that's something I picked up because it looked interesting. And of course, it's I'd never heard of WFM at the time, mm-hmm. but it's like uh, it's a similar radio station to this. Yeah. Been going since the 1950s in New Jersey. And that 
they made commercially available. I don't think many people bought it. And you can you can listen to it now on the on the radio. So I don't know how many of those there were. This is beautiful. It's very shiny golden on the on the actual tape. The packaging is sort of it looks like something that's been through the photocopier quite a few times and it's a picture of man with a sort of astonished face. Yeah. And then the the actual tape is bling. I I think that's the only word I can put, <laughs> put to this. I picked it up because it only looked interesting. Mm. It's kind of a Mickey take of a meditation tape. Oh, brilliant. Using the three stooges as Obviously, somebody's just made some tape loops and set it through effects units, probably did it live to create this. Yeah. It is, I forget the name of the radio station. It's been going since the 50s. WFMU. Yeah, I'm sure people out there are through them as well. So they're an institution in America. But I'd never heard of them when I found this tape. And obviously, it's all the way over here. I found it in a a charity shop, I think in maybe Camden or somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, And I assumed it was some kind of punk thing. How do you feel, kiddo? Fine, fine. And you? Oh, great. I never felt better in my life. I'll never forget that. So um, we don't have time to play the whole right, of this no, tape, no. unfortunately. It is, what's it called? The Shemp meditation tape? It is. It was a DJ off the radio station who made this up as a as a false meditation tape. I've looked on the internet since, and you can listen to it um, on the internet. This um, came in in a batch I got of, again, it's one of these green uh, BASF uh, C90s, and it's the. this is interesting because it's the same voice of the man who was interviewing Paul Foote. Uh-huh. So this little bit I now have, it's, it's almost like you're beginning to picture somebody... Um, if you hear two or th- obviously you can't get a lot from just two or three cassettes with yeah. his voice interviewing someone or just sat at home talking. This this is him. He's trying to improve his English pronunciation. Wholesome, cruel, punctual. Most of the soldiers thought they ought to leave the fort and go on a jaunt. They fought hosts of ghosts. How, uh, how loudly they sound. A thousand cows falling, falling down. down. Try again. How loudly they sound. A thousand cows falling down. That sound is still not right. How loudly they sound, a thousand cows falling down. This is a fairly ridiculous sentence. I demand to see your commanding officer. He has supplanted my arm. Ankles are bandaged anywhere, and apples manage to endure it. What's your favourite phrase that he's oh, practising well, that? How loud they sound, a thousand cows falling down. Yeah. It's, it's, it's I don't touching. There's it. it, something <laughs> lovely about it. And he's very 
uh, precise in his speech, obviously. He's trying to speak correctly. His English is perfectly good. I mean, I don't think people would bother it's... so much now. Maybe it's a sign of the times in the 70s if you were a journalist or something. You had to... You had to have proper mm. a proper British accent. I'm and... assuming he's a journalist. He might not yeah. be. Uh, do you have any other tapes that you wanted to put on? This, this one, all it says on it is riff tape A in particularly bad writing. Yeah. It's just somebody with an acoustic guitar writing songs and there must be thousands of these everywhere. Yeah. People trying to use cassettes as a songwriting. Mm. Now you just put it in digitally and you cut and paste and move it all around until you've got an arrangement. And yeah. Whereas back then people would be just have a mic up and play into it. Not not for anyone to hear, not for people like you and I to pour over and and broadcast and yeah, fetish, fetishise. We're delving into people's private lives yeah. essentially here, aren't we? Because I, I know that, you know, I've got recordings uh, of, you know, practising, pronouncing things, whatever, mm. but I'm the only intended audience and it it is strange to think that these things possibly end up in the public domain whether you like it or not and we're part of that process. Yeah. But the point of cassettes, isn't it, that it allows this to happen in a way that digital probably less so. It seems that it's more out there with digital because people just post it on the internet and probably seem to be less self-conscious. Yeah. But the stuff that is not meant to be posted, it just ends up on a hard drive and I assume we will will not find it anywhere. That will get wiped and or corrupted and that's that. Uh, I have a short story in my head about um, future archaeology which occupies a large amount of my brain space which would feature... Archaeologists reclaiming hard drives. That being is that their, digital their archaeology? I think digital archaeology would mean a different thing at the moment. It's more, yeah. That would be more about recording what's on a site using digital techniques. I really like the idea of digital archaeology being part of the future of archaeology, but my experience, having studied archaeology, was there's a lag, and basically even Victorian archaeology isn't considered that, that well, important, my, my so brother, it'll take a few hundred years. My brother's a professional archaeologist. Oh, really? He's very concerned with... Um, uh, 1920s, 1930s stuff. I'm, I'm on his side because I, I've I've seen on archaeological sites they dig through the Victorian layer, yeah. so that's even before then, and it's, they throw it all the way. Yeah, it's, if they're into Roman, a, if yeah. the money's in Roman, they'll dig through anything to get to it. Yeah, and, exactly. So let's play a little bit of this riff tape.
So we're, we're listening to this guy who's practising his... His songwriting, yes. Yeah. And, yeah, you were just saying it would be, it'd be amazing if we found someone <laughs> famous. If you spotted day. him, he may sound awful when, when they're by themselves and uh, before they're... Before they're famous, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I guess uh, thank you very much, Peter, yeah, for coming to the studio. And it's an honour and a pleasure to listen to these little pieces of human history. I, I know you're in a band, so <laughs> if you want to plug anything your band's doing, now's um, the time. Uh, it's Tramadol's. Tramadol's, I think there's a Facebook. Um, also in a band called Organ Donna, there's a f- Facebook. Tiger Walking Downhill, there probably isn't a Facebook for them, but they, they we play occasionally on Resonance. left for me to say is you're listening to Cassette on Resonance 104.4 FM you've been listening to Discoveries and this is the end of Side B Cassette Radio. Wordpress. Com.